Proverbs 16, 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Lord, we, um, as we wade now into your word, we ask God for you to have your way with our hearts. We ask not to come out of this more informed, but somehow, Lord, transformed, changed amen. by your hand, yes. full of your life. In Jesus' name, yes. amen. amen. Well, we've been, we've been uh, uh, on a series about character, and um, this will be the third week. And um, if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, two things I want to say to you. First off, I'm not going to thump you with the Bible. That's not my style. In fact, I don't think that's the Lord's plan for how to shape your character anyway. Um, but we're, we're finding that the Lord wants to shape our character, and it's really a pretty good deal. A lot of the weight for shaping our character lands on his um, capable shoulders instead of ours. And if, if you have missed the last couple of weeks, you can hear the messages. They're on our website. So you can download them or you can listen to them on the website. The website's new and fresh, and it actually works. So when you get there, the messages are available. Help yourself. Um, let me take just a minute and get you up to speed, though. If you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, um, character, we, we've defined our definition of character is the will to do what is right as God defines right, regardless of the cost no matter how, much hard, how hard it is. And, um, and we need that because our world honors achievement and fulfillment more than it does character. The problem with that is that when character takes a second seat, that people get hurt. And, um, and we talked about character being the oil of relationship, right? Take the oil out of the engine, see how long it works. You know, things that were made originally to go together and go together well will end up tearing each other apart instead of going together well. Oil is important in a relationship. If God wants you to, to look like something and he wants you to shape it, he's not going to send you to a list. He's going to send you to his son. He's going to send you to a person, Jesus Christ. And the, the goal here isn't for you to figure out how to make a better Terry, right? <laughs> you can all try working on that if you want. The Lord isn't in it trying to make a better Nathan or a better Bob. He's trying to make you instead transform into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. It's really a good, good deal. The problem is, I don't know how I can do that, but God does. The character of Christ is not something that you are going to manufacture. It's something that the Lord does through you. And um, he does that by asking you to abide in him. I appreciated the comments about the vine and the branches. He, he asks us to abide. So I gave you three suggestions last week. I said, think and act relationally, not religiously. Focus on proximity, not progress. Adopt an attitude that says, I can't, but he can through me. So that's the quick update for the last two weeks. I guess you don't need to download them and listen to them anymore. You've got them both in three minutes. But if you missed them, it'd be, I'd encourage you to do that just so you can stay in cadence with, with where the Lord is taking us and our family. So today we're going to talk about our part in the process. What is it that we are going to do? What, how do we participate? Because God is at work inside of each one of us. So uh, I'm going to start here in Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. So then, dear friends, as you, have, as you always obeyed me when I was with you, it's even more important that you obey me now while I'm away from you. Keep on working with fear and trembling to complete your salvation because God is always at work in you to make you willing and able to obey his own purpose. God's at work in you. Now that scripture is a little unusual because it says, it says that uh, we're to con- with, with, with fear and trembling to work to complete our salvation. Sounds like we're supposed to do the work of getting ourselves saved. That's not what this is saying. This is saying that you're supposed to be um, allowing what has already happened in you to express itself by who you become and the ways you behave, in your words and in your actions. At this very moment, at this very moment, the Lord's at work in your heart. Right now. 
He was when you woke up. He'll be three hours from now, tomorrow at work or wherever. God is going to be at work in your heart. There's never a moment that he's not at work in your heart. He's working there when you're cooperating with him. He's working there when you're resisting him. He makes more progress when you cooperate, but he still makes progress when you resist. He's always all the time. Now, you and I, we have a tendency to think he's at work out there. God, so we pray, would you change this? Would you, would you change the way my ex, fill in the blank, person relates to me? God, would you change the way my boss thinks? Would you change these circumstances at my job so that X, Y, and Z can happen? We pray about all these things that we want to have happen out there because that's what we think God is expecting to hear from us, the things that we want him to change out there. My boss, my kids, my money. And then you know why, do we, get, you know why we get disappointed in God? Because he doesn't do all of the things that we want him to do. It's like, you know, sometimes I think sometimes God's sitting up there listening to our prayers and he goes, sure, sure, Terry, let's just do the things you want to do, you know? God's saying those kinds of things to us. <laughs> My family says that to each other all the time. <laughs> so that's an inside joke. Let's just do the things you want to do, you know? A little bit of sarcasm is always helpful, I suppose. And uh, so we say, come on, God, would you do all these things that are going on out there? But he's not doing the things we want him to do, so we get disappointed in God. We have these expectations and hopes that he's just going to do the things that we want him to do. The problem is, he says, that's really not my agenda. It's secondary. Those things you're asking for are important, but they're secondary to the things I want to do. Imagine if everything going on around you all the stuff that's going on, the good and the bad, were all being viewed by God as tools that he was going to take and use to actually shape you into Jesus' image, his son's image. Imagine if, if that's what was really going on. Even, even the, the, the Genesis 50-20 stuff. Do you know what I mean? Genesis 50, the Genesis 50-20 rule, that's, that's the Old Testament story where Joseph was um, the favored son and his brothers were jealous, so they kidnapped him, sold him off into slavery, and away he went. Fast forward, long story, he becomes second in command of Egypt. And because of his wisdom, he saves many, the word says he saves many people. He saves up all this food, he fa- saves a starving nation and a whole world, and eventually his brothers show up, and they don't know they're coming to him for food, and he saves the family. And when, when, when this great moment happens, where they realize that they are now in the hands of this brother that they really wronged, Joseph's wonderful heart says to them, you know what? What you did to me was evil, and the enemy meant it for evil, but God could use it for good. So even the things that are going on around you that are Genesis 50, 20 things, the enemy meant, meant, meant for evil, but God can use them for good. What if all those things, it really is true that the Lord is going to use those things to benefit you, even the stuff that's going wrong in your life, whatever it is. My brother-in-law this last week um, fell off of a roof. He has a job where it puts him on a roof, and um, he fractured a couple of uh, vertebrae. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. That's too strong a word. My faith is bigger than this. But I'm trying to reason with my mind how that's going to benefit him because it hurts. 
and it's impacting him financially, and it's putting weight upon his wife. And these are people who come to your church. These are part of our family. He's up at Harborview now. It's worth praying for. Lord, we just ask you to visit Keith right now and others, God, in hospitals and in places that just need your healing. Protect them, Lord, from um, any mistakes. Protect them from infection, but instead grant them wholeness in life in Jesus' name. So it's hard sometimes to reconcile. How is this going to pan out? Um, You know, I've been hurt before, and it's no fun. But I can look back in those times and see things that were good that happened in me that might not have happened in any other way, especially in my heart, because I wasn't able to propel myself into the things I wanted to be propelled into, whatever. I, I, I just think when you run into people who have an attitude, they say, well, all the stuff going on around me, it may not have been the Lord's will, it may not have been in his intentional hand in my life, but God can use it all to shape me, when you run into people that believe and live that way, you're looking at some of the most well-adjusted, balanced people that you will find. Somehow they get peace in the middle of those storms because they are willing to trust the possibility that the Lord will use the world around them to shape them. And you know what? Here's the truth. Everything around you, everything is temporal, including this. It's all temporal. God knows that. God knows there's also an eternity. He's going to Invest his time and effort and plans and heart in the things that will last, the eternal things. God's at work in you and me. What's the, quest? the question is, what is it that he's doing in there? Well, the answer, simply put, is that he's renewing us. I've got a couple scriptures for you here to consider. So he's renewing us is what he's doing in there. Second Corinthians four sixteen to 18 says this. For this reason, we never become discouraged, even though our physical being is gradually decaying. That's so true. Yet our spiritual being is renewed day after day. And this small and temporary trouble we suffer will bring us a tremendous and eternal glory for much greater than the trouble. For we fix our attention not on the things that are seen, but on things that are unseen. What can, can be seen lasts only for a time, but what cannot be seen lasts forever. Yet our spiritual being is renewed day after day. Titus 3, verses 4 and 5, similar. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. You know, that, that's, I'm going to take a short rabbit trail on that passage. Kindness and love, he saved us. You know, this scripture is very straightforward. It shows you that you do not go to heaven because you've got all your merit badges. It's by his mercy, his kindness, and his love that he saves us. You know, people who say, they, 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 the, the phrase you see it on TV sometimes and in our society sometimes repeats it, the, the concept that God would send anybody to hell. I don't, I don't agree with that. I think that Jesus, with all of the love and kindness he can muster, stands at the gates of hell and he says, don't go past me. You have to push past Jesus to get into hell. That's true. People that will end up there, they had to push past the love and the kindness of Jesus Christ and the gift of salvation. He holds it. He literally holds it and people have to refuse it. It's amazing. Um, okay, Colossians 3, 9. That's a rabbit trail, and, but I thought it was a good one for us to just re- review. Before I get off that rabbit trail, if you've never opened your heart to the king, receive the gift. I implore you. I, I just plead with you. 
open your heart and say, yes, I will receive the gift. That's all that it takes. Believe with your heart and confess with your mouth and you'll be saved. Colossians 3, 9 and 10. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and come, become like him. So renewing, great word, renewing. What does it mean? Well, it basically means to make new. And it happens in two steps, two simple steps. First off, you, first step is you take off what's old. And the second step is you put on what's new. Just like changing your clothes. Ladies, it's like, it's like your fingernail polish, right? So when you're going to get new fingernail polish, I don't really know anything about this from personal experience. I have to find this out from my wife and other people. But when you're going to put on fingernail polish, what do you do? You take off. And why do you do that? Why don't you just slap on a new coat? I mean, some of you, maybe you do that. But help me out here. Somebody tell me, why don't you just, why why do you take off the old first? It's chipped, there's flaws, it doesn't look best, it doesn't work right. And then, I should, I'm not acting like, I'm, I'm not really an expert on this, and so quit laughing at me. Okay, let me give you guys an example. Okay, re-roofing, right? You know, if you're going to re-roof your house, what do you do? You tear off the old. Now, I know that the codes in this county, with a composition roof, will let you put a new roof on top of one old layer. Isn't that true? Okay. Why don't you do it? Sometimes we do it. It saves a little time and money, and it seems reasonable. But beyond that, no, no dice. They know, they, and you know, you really got to tear it off to do it right. There's a good reason. There are good reasons why you have to tear off the old before you can do that. Here's the thing. Becoming a Christian does not guarantee you any kind of change in life. It's renewal that results in change. So if you are a man and you go through great, huge renewal, maybe you will go through great, huge character change and it will be a good change. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, and we're going to kind of spend a little time here, hop in and out of it. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Some of you may be looking at a translation that says your reasonable act of worship. It's reasonable because, to worship this way because of God's mercy. So what God is asking us to do here is to crawl right up on his altar as a living sacrifice. The problem is that that's exactly what you and I are. We're living sacrifices. So we keep wiggling back off the altar. We get up there, we see something with our eyes, and we go, oh, I kind of think I'll like that, and we wiggle our way towards that, and we're now back down off the altar, and it's not the right thing. Eventually, some sort of consequence or something happens. We listen to the voice of the Spirit, and we think, oh, get back up on the altar, and up there we go. We wiggle on and off, on and off. Here's the good news. Paul tells us we can stop wiggling. The scripture keeps going. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, um, you know I like to play with construction, I mean, toys. I've gotten to do that sometimes in the past. It's been a while, um, but I like to play with them. So I like watching all that kind of stuff. There's a little boy in me that if he sees a cement truck delivering, he's got to go watch what happens, you know. So have you ever seen them build a sidewalk? They take strong, rigid boards and stakes, and they put it all together, and they build this place that's going to hold, hold firm and it's rigid. And then they pour in the nice, soft, moldable concrete mix. It's got some cement and some sand and maybe some aggregate and some water and some sophisticated stuff now. And it pours in there and it's nice and soft, but it quickly hardens and it takes on that hard, molded shape. 
or they even figure out ways to make better molds. Um, you know, for me, um, I've got a square pan about this big. I love brownies, right? <laughs> and the ones I love are the ones, especially the corners. There is a law in the Fisher household. There's a brownie tax that the corners are dads no matter what. Stay off the corners. Those are dads, right? And a secondary substitute would be the edges. If the corners are gone, then I'll go for the edges. The, the center part, I don't really give a rip about the center, and I'm really selfish about this. The corners are mine, right? <laughs> Lisa, or somebody at my house, baked a pan of brownies, and we got a couple of dogs, a big one and a little one. And um, we're learning. We fail occasionally to remember that you don't leave food out on the counter, even wedged way back in the corner. Now, these two dogs, they're wonderful, loving dogs, but they're just intelligent enough to know how not to share. And so one can't get up there, but one can. I don't mean she gets up there and stands, but, you know, she's, okay, it's a big, big dog. She gets up there, and we've found at times when we've failed in this, we've come home and we've found food eaten on the counter but not dragged onto the floor because if, God forbid, she'd have to share with the other dog if she did that. <laughs> so, so we came home one time, or we got up one morning and realized, here's this pan of brownies, this pristine, perfect, nine-inch pan of brownies, and the brownies are all eaten around the whole center of the thing is eaten, and it stayed on the counter. And I do have to confess, when I looked at that, I thought, hmm, all the edges are still there. <laughs> So you pour the brownie mix into the pan and it accepts the mold. Then smart thinking people invented a better mold. And now there's a brownie pan and it goes like this. It's like a maze. So every brownie is a corner edge. It's perfect. I mean, it's wonderful. I could live on those. I shouldn't live on those. I live on them too much. Love you, honey. Okay. You can make brownies if you want. So there's this mold that we can see and things get poured into it and they get hardened and then they take that, take that shape on. And the mold of our world wants to, sh- to, to, to shape you into, wants to say, fulfillment and achievement are the shape that you should take on. And God says, no, don't be conformed, be transformed. And I say, okay, I want to. I want to do that. I just can't seem to pull that off. I just don't know how to do that, God. My first inclination is if I strengthen my resolve and I try a little harder and I'm more rededicated, I can work my way there. And the truth is, we talked about this last week, that works to build a better Terry. It does nothing to transform me to make me look more like Jesus. And it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It produces something that's good but it doesn't produce something that's grand. It produces something that my flesh is capable of, but it produces nothing that heaven majestically does. It's not what the Lord wants. He wants us to become like his son. And the word tells us that we don't need to do all that effort. Instead, the Lord just calls us to do something else. It says that we're going to change by the renewing of our mind. A renewed mind results in a transformed life. If that's what you catch today, that's, that'll be plenty. Renewal is the mechanism that God uses for a transformed life. Every day the Lord is at work in your life and in mine, and we have choices all day long. Are we going to work with him or not? 
So what does it look like when he renews us? Well, it's just like with the fingernail polish. What's the process he does? He strips off the old and he puts on something new. So when our mind starts to become transformed, what does that do? It means, okay, let's just talk about the subject. Sex, marriage, the truth, money. How do I think about those things? The Lord wants to strip off the old ways of thinking and put on a new layer, the the way he wants us to see things, the way he wants us to think about things. Because when we see things as he does, we will do the things as he does. That's the power of renewal. Over time, things that seem ridiculous to you, they'll just slowly begin to make sense, not because of brainwashing, but because your mind has been renewed by the king. It's a safe place to be. That's the power of renewal. I, um, I, I, the last couple of days, Lisa and I took to just spend time with the Lord and, and um, we had some intentional things and I said, hey, you know, honey, one of the things that I want to do with you in the next two days, um, which was a real privilege to be able to take time and do that, really felt like the Lord said, get, you know, clear the calendar, spend time with me and your wife and just do some things. And one of the things, oddly enough, I felt like the Lord said to the two of us, he wanted us to just plow our way through the book of Job. <laughs> okay, I will do that. Um, and you know I've read Job lots of times I've read it lots of times it's a wonderful inspired book it can be really discouraging if you haven't really studied the thing out it really just seems like this story of misery because it is this man who God says is righteous this is guy, I, guy it sounds like the guy's like Bill Gates of his day he's the richest man he does everything right everything goes his way and even God believes He's upright. He says he's upright. And um, a lot of bad stuff happens to Job, and it's not his fault that it happens. But first thing that happens is his wife says, hey, curse God and die. His wife tells him that. He doesn't do it. Then his three closest friends work him over verbally. They basically say, this is all going wrong in your life. It must be your fault. You got problems in your life? It must be sin in your life. That is so unloving, by the way. And so, you know, what is it? 41, 42 chapters. You get two chapters setting the story up, telling God, telling you what's happening here. And then you get like 38 chapters of his closest friends hammering on him. Instead of loving on him, they hammer on him. Then another guy comes along, a younger man, and he does the same thing. Everybody's telling Job that this is his fault. Of course, those people hadn't read the first two chapters where God said, This man's upright. It's very clear this is not Job's fault. And you see things in that story. I saw things differently in the last 48 hours than I probably saw four years ago, the last time I actually spent any time in the book, or 20 years ago or 25 years ago. In fact, the first time I ever read that, I thought, wow, okay, this is in the Bible. I get the scripture going on here, but I really, really am having a hard time seeing something good in this story. Yesterday, I saw a richness there of the love of God that I didn't see before. I mentioned that to you because that's something that's happened because as a mind, mind and my heart has become renewed over time, those kinds of things happen. Then you will be able to stand, back to Romans uh, 12, then you will be able to, to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. After transforming, interesting sentence. Then you will be able. 
that suggests that before your mind has been renewed, you lack the capability to know what God's will is. That's scary. Because a lot of people think they know God's will and they have yet to have their minds renewed. The other thing too is that to, to find what's pleasing in his perfect will. You lack that capability. Over time, as your mind becomes renewed, you will become, um, it, it, the Lord's will, be, will become pleasing to you. Here's, the, re, here's the, the, the mechanism at work there. Renewal breaks down our resistance to God in our life. Renewal breaks that resistance down, which, by the way, is present in all of us. That resistance is present in everybody. It gives God greater influence over our wills. That's why he does that rather than instructing. You know, um, when you train your children, you can try to just give them a list of things to do, and you might be able to get them to do the list, but they don't get changed by that. They get changed as you help them to understand how you see things. So when we try to lead like God does, we say to people, if you can only see this the way I do, then they might do and be the kinds of things that we want to see them do. And that's how our Heavenly Father works in our hearts. Facing temptation over and over again, if we can only have our minds renewed, mm-hmm. we'll see God of sees and the resistance that breaks down. But sometimes we give up because it's really, really hard to be good. It's hard. It's just hard to be good. Some people give up way early in life. Maybe some of you have given up on being good. I've seen kids, kids, I've seen people give up in their early teens, in their late teens. They just give up on being good. I can think of extended family members I know who have just given up. They know the truth, but they've just given up on trying to be good. Just given up. But instead, God doesn't ask you to do that. He says, relax and learn to renew your mind. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, some of you might disagree with what the Lord's will is. Someone will say, well, here's the Lord's will, or the Bible will say, here's the Lord's will, and you'll go, I just don't get that. It doesn't make sense to me. Here's what I would say to you. Keep coming back to the Word of God. Keep coming back to the house of the Lord. Keep worshiping and, and placing yourself in the place where the Word of God is teaching. And over time, you know, the, oh, there are people sitting in this room who a few years ago had those same kind of questions. And over time, the Lord has shaped them and helped them to understand and their mind has become renewed. And things that before just didn't make sense make perfect sense. They become more than that, more than just sense. They're pleasing. So focus on renewal and in time, the character will come and change will take place because a renewed mind results in a transformed life. Um, One more quick story and then we're about done. You guys can get off to your football recordings. That's where I'm going. So, faithful. Um, when, um, if we run the clocks back at our household some 22, 23, 25 years ago, I would come home and um, worked in a fairly stressful environment. A large corporation, worked hard and God bless and all that, but I, my temperament is to apply myself and to go after goals. So I would have my focus on things. And I would come home completely stressed out, self-centered, thinking about what I wanted to do is I just want to come home and I just want to decompress. So I'd come in the door 
and my children would meet me at the door. Daddy, daddy. And my wife would be not very far behind. And I'm ashamed about this, that at times I just pushed right through them and I just was headed for a decompression chamber, a place that I could just be by myself and do whatever. And I look back at that now and I think, well, I'd love to have a few of those days back. I mean, my kids, I got a great relationship with my kids. I love them. They love me. They grow up. They do this evil thing. They grow up and they move away. They get married and all of a sudden they're not your children in your house anymore. Although in my heart, my kids are all this, tr- this tall. They're actually grown up adults now. And my wife. And, and the, the thing is this. It was a renewed mind. So I come home now. And my wife is there sometimes. Sometimes she's not. She's, she comes home after me. But you know who's there every time I come home is my two dogs. <laughs> and you'd think when you come home to these two dogs, a big poodle and a little poodle, that it was the second coming of Jesus in their hearts. <laughs> it doesn't matter if I've kicked them going out the door, which I didn't do, by the way. It doesn't matter. They are so excited to see me. And I, I literally look at that differently now than I used to look at it. I come home and I want to get in the house and I want to decompress and I've always got my arms full and I don't have room and the dogs are jumping up. But I literally, when I come in the door now, this is stupid, but I do this. I come in the door and I think, okay, I got to get my my hands emptied so I can greet these dogs in return. They're a gift to me from God. The way my dogs treat me is a gift to me from God. There have been times when I have been, I felt assaulted by my friends like Job. There were times where people were saying things about me and it was hurtful and it wasn't true and I didn't deserve it and they had bailed on me. And I would come home and my dogs loved me no matter what. They didn't believe all that slop that was being said about me. My, kids, my, my dogs are a gift to me from the Lord. But I'd like to have some of those days back when my kids were still ankle huggers. You know, It's because nothing's different when I come home now I'm different. I'm being renewed. I, I come home and it's wonderful to be greeted like that. Get yourself a poodle. <laughs> so I just want to remind you about something as we close this now. I want to remind you about the prayer we started with two weeks ago. I want to remind you again and I'd like to pray over you and, and invite you to, um, I want to pray. I want to pray. Would you stand to your feet, please? And um, we'll remind you of the prayer. And then I want to pray some specific things that I think the Lord um, asked me to pray over you as I was preparing for this. The simple prayer from a couple weeks ago is, Lord, give me the wisdom to know what's right and then the courage to do what's right. I want to pray something in addition to that over you right now. So would you just receive... Lord, I want to thank you that you have not given us, your kids, a big, long list of things to do to shape our character. You have not put this burdensome list that we can't keep and that hell would only throw into our face and say, well, you've missed these four things and you're just no good. Thank you, God, that that's not your approach. Because as far as a list is, is concerned, I'm just not that good at it, God. Some people are better at it than others, but everybody falls short completely. I want to thank you that you only ask for us to abide 
You only ask for us just to be planted into the, the vine, to be planted into the place where life comes, where hope comes, to abide, just to be close. You've asked us to, to consider our proximity to you, how close we are to you. And now you've asked us just to be renewed. Not an effort of our, uh, uh, not a re- result of our effort, but God, the result of what you're going to do. Thank you, God, for your patience in us. I pray, Lord, that in the next couple of days that you will be seen through us at school or at work or at home, that, God, you will cause there to be something new and fresh transforming in, in our hearts and in our minds as you renew us. In Jesus' name, amen.